right. So we are making our way through God's economics. We are in unit five, which is seek first the kingdom of God. And we are just breaking this down. We are up to first. First. Well, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, well, that's obvious. I I know what first means. But when we pause, when we take a moment to really meditate on it. And sometimes I call it like the hard candy of scripture. You know, you take it and instead of just chomping on it like a regular piece of bread that you swallow and you take some water and you swallow it down and forget all about it, sometimes it's good to just pause for a moment and treat it like a good old, you know, like one of those old Werther's originals that you just suck on it and you get all the flavor out of it by taking your time. All right, so let's take a look. First, So the definition is right there in your study guide. First. So this means first in time or place. So you are seeking. We already talked about what seeking is, but you're seeking God first in time and in place. You're putting it first. So first in time or place in any succession of things or persons. This means God has to be your top priority, your first priority and your top priority. God has to mean more to you than anything or anyone else. Undivided, wholehearted, absolute, total, complete devotion to God is what he is after. Yes, it's a large request. Maybe you're sitting there thinking that's unrealistic. Well, if you think it's unrealistic, that's too bad for you because that's what God requires. And he has even made it possible by giving you the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of your heart where if you're really living by the Holy Spirit— All the Holy Spirit ever wants to do is talk about God and live for God and do the things of God. The Spirit is always willing. It's the flesh that's weak. You know, Jesus' friends, they couldn't even stay awake for an hour in prayer. The Spirit is always willing, but the flesh is weak. We have to keep God first in time or place. So there's a part of this, and this isn't really in your study guide, but first in time means when you wake up in the morning, what's your first thought? Is it God? And, you know, just to be honest with you, friends, I used to really love coffee a lot. If you love coffee, I feel you. I'm not holding a grudge. I don't have anything against you. But I would wake up in the morning And my first thought was coffee. And I realized as I got into a deep season of prayer that I really wanted to pray, but I wanted to pray as long as I had my cup of coffee. And I realized that coffee was contending for my attention and my ability to prioritize God first, to put God truly, truly first in in time, in space, in meaning, in my heart. And so I gave up coffee. I no longer drink coffee first thing in the morning. I gave up caffeine. I don't, I don't need the caffeine anymore. Hallelujah. I can still enjoy a cup of coffee. Coffee is not evil. 
but it it became a contender for first place when I would wake up in the morning. And that was not okay to me. And so I gave up coffee, something that I really, quite frankly, enjoyed. But it's worth it. It is totally worth it to know in my heart that there's nothing contending for that first place in my heart, in my life, between me and God. He comes first. Well, regardless of the coffee coffee talk, um, you know, first also means in the morning. You know, even Jesus got up early in the morning to pray. Now, I know people have all different kinds of lifestyles. Maybe you don't get up early in the morning, but there is still a first thing in your day. There's a first time in your day. What is the first thing that you do in your day? Do you pray? Do you seek the Lord? Because even Jesus did that. And if even Jesus had to do that for him to keep his connection to God, then how much more do you or I have to do that to keep ourselves connected to the Lord? And there's a scripture I love. Again, this is not in your study guide, but Isaiah 50 and verse 4, the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I might know how to sustain him who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. So when you go before the Lord, when you're waking up in the morning, is God your first priority? Are you allowing him to give you his wisdom for the day? Or are you just carrying on with your day and God, like, he? oh, yeah, he, he gets in there somewhere. Yeah, you know, I think about him. Oh, yeah, that's right. When I get to a traffic light and I really need it to turn green because I'm running late for work, then I then I start calling upon the name of the Lord. No, that's not right, friends. God needs to be first. He deserves that special time. And I'm not one of these that promises you, oh, if you seek God in the morning, then your day is going to go great. No, that's not the guarantee. And that's not why you do it. You do it because he's worthy, because he deserves first place in your life. You don't do it for your own benefit. You do it for his benefit. You do it because he's the maker of heaven and earth. And he's your father your loving Heavenly Father, and He gave His Son on a cross so that He could be in a, in a relationship with you, that He could talk to you and walk with you. So He deserves first place in your life. That's why you do it. You do it for Him, not for you. You get major benefits out of it, but you do it for Him. That's the right motivation. Okay, another part of this definition is first in rank, influence, honor, or chief. Okay, so this, people who know me, you know, I talk about this all the time. I have a king. His name is Jesus. Now, I know I'm from the United States of America, and we are a democratic republic, and isn't that nice? So we elect our officials, and we have a president and a Senate and a Congress and all of those things. That's nice. That's the world. My citizenship is in heaven, and in heaven, I have a king, and he outranks them all. Do you get it? I have a king. Do you have a king? Or do you still live your life like a democracy? Like you and King Jesus are on the same playing field. So like he gets to say his opinion. You get to give your opinion. And then, oh, okay, well, that's nice. Like we'll just we'll go with my idea this time, Jesus, because I'm so smart. Uh, no. Okay, you're not that smart. You're really not smart at all if you're thinking that way. Jesus is king. He is first in rank. If you were a part even of a tribe and there was a chief in the tribe, 
If you didn't want to die, you would obey the commands of the chief. Duh. Okay, this is simple stuff. But how are you living your life? Yes, we call all of this freedom that we have liberty, but God sometimes sees it as lawlessness. You know, just because something is not against the law in your country doesn't mean it's not against God's law. So who are you going to honor? Is Jesus first in rank? Is he the one that you honor? Is he the one that you allow to influence you? Is he first in your life? That's what being first is about. Instead of going through your day, oh, or even going through, you know, any of your problems, like, okay, so I've got all these problems, I got this situation, I got that situation, I'm going to try to work it out in my own way, I'm going to try to do what I can do, and then when everything fails, then I'll ask God. No, seek Him first. 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 So instead, let's reverse that. Okay, I've got this situation, I've got this problem, let's go to God and see what God has to say about it. Then I don't have to waste all of my time and sometimes my money and resources or even my emotional strength doing something that God never wanted me to do in the first place. I can seek God, get his direction on it, do what God tells me to do, and watch God do what he says he's going to do, which is take care of the situation for me. Hallelujah. That's what seeking first the kingdom of God, that's what seeking God first will do in your life. You start walking in the way of wisdom rather than in the way of foolishness, which leads to death. Okay? So another part of this, now this goes into some Old Testament stuff, but it's still true. Jesus does not negate, he didn't come to abolish the law. He demonstrated the complete fulfillment of the law. And Paul says that we uphold the law. We are no longer under law. We are under grace, but we uphold the law. So the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. So that means he's First, first, he's first. No other gods. No other gods. And if you can get this even to the point of no other influences, okay, he needs to be the top. What are you worshiping? What is your attention on? What are your goals, ambitions, desires? Are they from the things of this world and your own ideas, or are they from God? No other gods. You cannot worship God and yourself. You cannot worship God and money. You cannot worship God and your spouse. Does your spouse have more influence over you than God does? Your family, your children, your friends, your pastor, the the ministry that you follow, if they say to that you know they're going in a certain direction but God has told you to go the other direction, which one do you do? You need to follow the Lord. No other gods before me. Ultimately, when you stand before Jesus, we talked about this in the Babylon unit, you will give account to Jesus alone. You will give account to Jesus. You must have no other gods before him. Okay, Jesus also said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father. So no one accesses God except 
through me. That's Jesus. This disqualifies every other religion, every other spiritual teacher, every other form and type and teaching of speech spirituality. Anything that rejects the deity and lordship of Jesus, this disqualifies everyone else. So I said it before, this is placing all of your eggs in the Jesus basket. He either is who he says he is, or he's a crazy man who claimed to be God and died on a cross because he was so nuts. So you have to make a decision what you believe about Jesus. You can't say, oh, yeah, he was a nice teacher and he taught peace. No, he didn't teach peace. He said, don't think that I've come to bring peace. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. He is the Messiah of Israel. He separates those who are with God from those who are not with God. No one comes to God unless they believe Jesus and receive him as their Lord and Savior. He can't have just a savior if he's not your Lord. He can't just be a savior that you checked a box and said a salvation prayer. He has to be your Lord or he's not your savior. I'm sorry, it's it's both together. If you think that you're saved, but you're not obeying Jesus, I doubt that you're saved. Sorry, it's just not the way that it goes. I know the American church has done a terrible job of teaching this, but it's just not true, friends. You've got to study these scriptures for yourself and understand understand what it means to truly follow Jesus. All right, Peter in Acts chapter 4, he said, "This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you." Now he's talking to the people of Israel, "You the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. No one. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, why am I going into all these scriptures about God is the only one, Jesus is the only one? Well, because you can't have any other gods before Jesus. He has to come first. He is worthy of being first in your life. Without him, you're not saved. Without him, you don't have eternal life. Without him, you're subject to the wrath of God. Without him, you're not going into the world to come. You're going into eternal torment. There is no one else. So the time to prioritize him and start doing things his way is now. Jesus also, John 6, 45, it is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So this is just another one of those statements of Jesus that disqualifies every other religious teaching. Any religious teacher out there that says that they have touched God or that they have contact with the God, the maker of heaven and earth, or the, the creator of the universe, most of them, they, they know they can't even honestly claim that. They're just trying to say that they've tapped into a spiritual force. And there are many various spiritual forces out there, but none of them are God. None of them are the most high God maker of heaven and earth. Anyone Anyone who has actually been in contact with God, the real God, the one and only creator of the universe, king of the universe, 
is has been pointed to Jesus. That's what Jesus just said. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. To me. So if they're pointing you to somebody else, they have not been in contact with God. And that should cause you to pause and wonder, well, if they're not in contact with God, then who are they in contact with? Uh, they're in contact with the devil. They're in contact with the evil one. So do you really want to be following them? No matter what kind of short-term in-this-world benefits they might be providing or promising you, in the end, it's not going to go the way that you think it's going to go. Anyone, everyone who has actually heard from God comes to Jesus. So we need to have no other gods before him. So another aspect of keeping God and keeping Jesus first is to make him your highest priority above all your other endeavors, above all your other priorities, above all your other pursuits. That includes, these are the words of Jesus, even your own father and mother, your children, your brother, your sister, your inheritance, your family lands, all of it. You have to love God more than all of that. And if you do not love God more than all of those things, if he is not the highest, highest, highest priority of your life, then his words are that you are not worthy to be his disciple. Okay, so David, the way King David, the way that he approached this, we see this in Psalm 16, verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. But we need to live our lives that way, to set the Lord always before us. Top priority. Every situation we face, God, I don't know what to do. What do you want me to do? God, this is a new situation. I don't know what to do. What do you want me to do? God, I've done this 120,000 times before, so you would think I would know what to do. But God, I, I set you before me. What? How do you want me to handle it on the 120,001st time? Okay, connection with God. I set the Lord always before me. Jesus is with us. Never will he leave us. Never will he forsake us. He is right here in this recording booth with me right now. Now, if you had a literal person in the room with you, you would be very conscious of, of, of how they were responding to what they did. And, you know, hopefully if you're a considerate person, if you had a person that was in the room with you or even in the next room, you would modify the way that you spoke. You would be considerate to keep the volume down. Or if you wanted to speak to them, you would say it in a way that they could hear what you were saying. Well, Jesus is always with us. Do you keep the Lord and the presence? of the Lord in your consciousness? Are you conscious that he is with you all the time? Are you living your life in a way that if Jesus were in the room, which by the way, if you're a believer, he is, he's inside of you, that Jesus would not be ashamed to call you his God? Set the Lord always before you. And Paul talks about it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. Jesus died on a cross for you, 
and you were crucified with him. Verse 15, and he died for all, that those who live, that means you, that means me, that we're still alive in this body and in this world. If you are still alive and you're listening to this now, Jesus died on a cross so that you might no longer live for yourself, but for him. He wants you to live for him. He expects and actually demands that you live for him. Now, he's a gentleman. He won't force you to. You keep your own free will. You can choose not to live for him until your dying day. But when you stand before him, you will give account for the reasons why you have not lived for him, but you have consistently chosen to live only for yourself. He died on a cross that you would no longer live for yourself, not your will, but God's be done. No longer live for yourself, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Are you getting how how heavy this is, how important this is to keep God first, to seek him first, that there can't be any higher priority in life, that nothing about you, nothing about yourself, nothing about your own plans could, be, could possibly be more important than what God wants to say to you in this moment, the guidance that God wants to give to you in whatever situation you face, than trusting God to take care of you in every situation that you face, rather than taking matters into your own hands and messing it all up because you haven't put God first. And then there's a beautiful story in the book of Luke. Jesus is with two sisters. One sister's name is Mary, and the other sister's name is Martha. And Martha, you know, she, she's a servant, and she's very busy, and she's preparing the meal, and she's trying to show good hospitality. And, you know, the rabbi Jesus has come into her home, and she's trying to be a good hostess and entertain him and make some really good food because Jesus didn't travel alone. He had at least 12 with him, and uh, there were other women who would follow around with him, and there were other men who would follow around with him. He had a group of disciples that traveled around with him, and the 12 were special out of that. So when you were entertaining Jesus, you were also entertaining for a crowd, okay? Martha was busy preparing food for a crowd. She was busy being the hostess. And Jesus doesn't rebuke her for serving. It's a beautiful thing to serve the Lord. But he also commends. He doesn't rebuke Martha, but he doesn't commend her. He commends Mary. Mary is the one who has put first things first. Mary is the one who sits at the feet of Jesus to hear what he has to say, to listen to his teachings, to keep him in the absolute first, highest, chief, most honored place in her life. And everything else can wait compared to spending time at the feet of Jesus. So the scripture goes, this is the Lord Jesus answering to Martha and to Mary. But the Lord answered her, 
because Martha got really upset that Mary was spending time at the feet of Jesus while she was so busy, you know, preparing this feast for Jesus and his friends. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Friends, it's not just about keeping God first. He's the only thing that is necessary. He's the only thing that is worthy. He's the only one. Paul told us not to be anxious for anything, but to talk to God about it. Sit at the feet of God. Let God mold you, shape you, talk to you, change your mind, change your life. Sit in his presence. Be transformed by him. Yep, there are lots of things that can keep you very busy. And sometimes busyness helps us feel important. It makes us feel like we're really doing something great. But if you will humble yourself and sit at the feet of Jesus to hear what he has to say in all the situations that you face, That is a beautiful part of keeping God first.